Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. Just tell you my first day there in Minnesota, you know, he pulled me down in the basement, you know, and that's where the wrestling room was. And, you know, he was a, a little power nugget. And I, I mean, but he made me feel big. And I was still young, right? But uh, he was just a sort of intense guy. And he comes out, he's like, let's go. Like, All right. Boom. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is the great Corey Cooperman, a New Jersey legend, was part of that Blair Academy team that had Kurt Backus, Zach Esposito, Steve Mako, Mark Perry. They were dominant. And Corey went on to wrestle at Lehigh. He's a three-time All-American there. And he was, I cannot forget to mention this, folks, only the third four-time prep national champ, which he achieved while he's at Blair. Now he's a coach. He's coach at the New York RTC, and he's also running Coop Train out in New Jersey. Really enjoy the conversation, folks. Hope you do as well. Fan of the week goes to my man, Cabinin. That's like H-I-11, L-I-K-E, HI11 on the gram. I got to give this man a shout out. He sent me some amazing swag from Hawaii and is a big time listener of the show. So thank you very much. Folks, last but not least, this episode is brought to you by a Chicago Beat the Streets fundraiser going on this Sunday. It's actually a happy hour. Tickets are 40 bucks. It's going on at Bourbon Street on the south side of Chicago, uh, the south loop of Chicago, I should say. This Sunday, Beat the Streets Chicago. We're holding a happy hour, $40 a ticket. All proceeds go to Beat the Street Chicago, which is really doing some phenomenal things. That's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Corey Cooperman. Peace! Corey Cooperman, it's an honor to have you. A couple places we could start. I found something, though, that kind of piqued my interest. I saw that Jared Lawrence was one of your idols or one of your mentors growing up. Uh, How did did that start? Um, I don't know. I mean... I mean, I've had a lot of uh, great people to, to watch, you know, growing up. I mean, I guess, uh, so when I was at Blair Academy as a freshman, I was telling this story last night, you know, I, mean, um, I like to pass the knowledge down to the next generation. You know, some of, my, some of the older wrestlers, I mean, I remember hearing stories and they'd be like, you know, this Eric Larkin kid from Arizona, man, he's like an alien. You shoot, he just disappears. I mean, think about it. I'm like 13 years old. I'm hearing this. I'm like, he's like an alien from Arizona? Like, what? You know, I mean, eventually I wrestled that guy, right? Um, but I mean, in New Jersey, everyone was a fan of Damien Hahn. 
Um, I even had a shirt that I'm a fan of being on, right? Um, and he was out at Minnesota. Um, I had watched Jared a lot, you know, and then, you know, you'd see him out there. He had his chin cup on. I was like, I put my chin cup on. You know, the thing about him was that he wrestled hard and tough, but also technical, right? He was smooth, but also tough. And I think that's something that, you know, has affected me and you know, my style of wrestling my whole life. I mean, you know, we talk about being slick and, you know, being physical and it's like uh, take the best of both worlds and combine them. I think he was one of the first people I really saw do that. And that's why you know, he had a big impact on my career. Yeah, that's, I kind of forgot about the Damian Hahn connection in Minnesota. I mean, how big was Damian Hahn when you were growing up in the Jersey circuits? I mean, his family was very, very involved in the sport in New Jersey um, from, you know, they had a, a company called Cookie Cuts. So, you know, they would make custom singlets and, um, you know, Damien was doing, you know, Damien would be refing at a tournament, winning the tournament, pinning people, you know, wrestling NCAA champs, beating them. He's in high school. You know, people would be challenging him. I had teammates that would challenge him at the tournament. He'd be refing and then put down the ref and, you know, put on a singlet and then go whoop someone's butt. And it was, uh, you know, just the way, you know, he went about his business. Uh, he was very, very impressive. And he's a big guy. He was very agile, mobile. Just the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. I think it was the first time a lot of people had seen anything like that. Um, so, you know, we were all fans of Damien Hahn. I don't think he had uh, any animosity in the state. You know, everyone rooted for him the whole time. So, He was reffing and then he would, he would get challenged by someone on the sides? Yeah, you know what I mean? You know, I would say back in the day, like, oh, he's just a club kid of mine, a uh, teammate of mine. But Nick Fichetti, I mean, he – he wrestled. I mean, he stayed in the brands. I mean, he does big things. But now with MMA and stuff like that down in Florida, I mean, he's a uh, Michigan State wrestler. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, everyone was gunning, right? When you're on top, everyone's gunning for you. Um, Damien was cool enough to accept that challenge whenever, you know? Man. Yeah. Yeah, the kids' tournaments are wild, uh, wild times. You got parents trying to match up other kids. Um, I know you got started early on by a friend of yours, Michael Puro, got you involved in the sport somehow. How did you, uh, how did that come about? How did you get that information? How did you know I'm, that? I'm crawling the streets, man. I got to make sure I'm prepared for this. Yeah, so um, Michael Puro lived around the corner from me growing up. His brother Dante's still involved with the Rutgers wrestling program. Um, it was really weird, you know, just, I, I mean, I was in the WWF like everyone else and all that stuff, but you know, I'd go to their house and you'd see like a big stick with like Matt, uh, paint around it and stuff like that. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> oh, that's for, for mixing paint for a wrestling mat. And then there's a, you know, like a, a, a punching bag. And, you know, the old John Smith in his thing, like, like crouched down with the tape on his ear. And that was the first thing I saw just like floating around. And I'm like, who, who is this guy? What is this, you know? And the dad had a jacket on. Eclipse was one of the first clubs in New Jersey and had, like a wrestling jacket, you know, because him and his, I don't even, still don't even know the involvement. I was literally in kindergarten. Right, the mom was helping me take a shower properly. I mean, like a little kid, right? Um, but I'd see that stuff, and then eventually it was our time. You know, we'd go to uh, Jadwin Gymnasium at Princeton. We're, we weren't watching wrestling. We were it was a state tournament, but we were we were playing, you know, tag and manhunt. You know, so we were around it. And then I think like third, fourth grade, third grade, I'd say it was our time. We got to step on the mat and get after it. And then how did it go from there to your wrestling at Blair Academy? So I mean, I had a pretty successful first season I mean I like everybody else I lost my first match wanted to cry I cried no not one I cried you know wanted to quit didn't uh, I think I teched my next two opponents in the same day and it was on you know I think I was like 14 or 15 and two I lost my first match of the year lost my second match of the year so I'll sum this up to get to Blair quick um the next year now I'm training right 
I had a coach, Wally Muhammad, um, coached at Kane University. Um, so it was, I was a fourth grader at this point, or, you know, finishing up my, my third year, fourth grader, um, training with a whole bunch of you know, just huge college guys, um, city guys, you know, uh, the coach you know, didn't want to take me. He said to my mom, you know, I don't, I don't work with little kids. Right away, he goes, does he go to the edge? You know, the edge was yeah, yeah. Club. And it was actually right in our next town. We didn't even know about it, you know. So we were, we were just going down to the local university, you know, Kane, Kane University. And, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, I don't take kids because of my mouth. My mom just was like, I don't. I just starts cursing up a storm. In other words, take them, right? And we trained and good things happened. And um, I took fourth of the state. The states are in March. So after that, um, I had a friend. He's, you know, one of my best friends to this day. He wrestled at Lehigh, state champ in New Jersey in high school, yada, yada. And his dad was like, you want to see what real wrestling is about? Yeah, absolutely. So going out to Tulsa Nationals. We went out to Tulsa Nationals, and I won it, you know. Uh, 70 pounds, 1995, still talk about it. My mom still talks about it if you go, you're catching the grocery <laughs> store. Um, but after that, I mean, it was on. It was on. You know, uh, we were full-fledged in, and Coach Buxton saw that, right? Because my mom was the type of mom that was like, uh, you know, we'll go visit family in California. I'm like, all right, let's go. She's like, we're going to Calvary Chapel with John Azevedo. You're wrestling over there. You know, you're, you're finding Stephen Abbott's training partner, this guy, Sean Kim at the time. You're going to go train with him. Like, we just go double down. I was just wrestling, you know, catch the beach a little bit, right? And we were into it. We had, uh, you know, we enjoyed some success. And what was the next, you know, the next best thing on, on the, on the, on the charts was going to high school and, you know, Blair was national champ, runner up. Um, my parents would drive me up there every now and then. And then uh, when it was you know, time to make a decision, um, I mean, there really wasn't a decision to be made. Like, do you want to, how do you want to do this? Like my parents told me, you know, you going to college, um, you're going to have to get a full ride. Well, there's no better place for me to be than with Coach Boston, right? And um, and I will say this as well before, before you get into the next question. It was a very unique time, right? I mean, think about it. Zach Esposito was a good friend of mine growing up. He would, he would sleep at my house. Um, we knew, I knew Steve, Mako. We'd be at tournaments together. We were at clubs together. You know, Kurt Backus, we are at clubs together. Uh, we knew each other. We were friends growing up. You know, all those friends, right? And we all go to school together. Mark Perry's dad's recruiting some of us. He's coming in, right? And you got those like-minded guys, and we're leaving so many names off. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the press. And Matt Beers, who has an unbelievable program in Notre Dame, Pennsylvania right now, with Ryan Cookham and all those guys, right? And there's a lot of like-minded guys there, a lot of good wrestling people, and uh, not the best coach, right? So it was a special place to be at the time. And I, am, I still get goosebumps thinking about how like, fortunate I was that like, you know, everything just aligned like that, right? crazy true or false that buxton wouldn't let the practice start until he got there and like opened the door for everybody yeah yeah the, yeah the key <laughs> 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 yeah but you know what i mean like uh, you know there was a respect thing for coach uh i talked to him probably every morning still probably five days a week we probably talk start each other's days off you know with uh if i call him i'm pumping him up let's go or am i going to finish that off and he calls me and I answer it. It's him saying it to me, you know, and um, I can bounce things off him as a coach. I can bounce things off him uh, really for anything. 
in, in any way. And he, 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 you know, I'm, I'm 37. I'm getting older, right? I got two kids. I can, I can sometimes, you know, be a soundboard for him too, right? So it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I've had, you know, as soon as you, you messaged me about, you know, this, I've been like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, I've, I've had the best coaches. Like, sometimes you don't even see it at the moment, right? Um, he's, he's done some things to me that, man, I wanted to kill him. Kill him. Like what? Oh, I mean, so like, uh, I was a very good technician. I wasn't the toughest guy in the world, though. And uh, so I would shoot high crotch. And I didn't like when guys would like rip, rip my neck or choking me. So I'd shoot in on a high crotch, and he would start choking me. And I'd push away and try to get away from him. But he would just keep marching and choking me until I brought my hips to the party, picked him up in the air, and spiked him, like, ferociously. Like, get up, do it again, right? That type of thing. Um, there was times where he would, you know, we'd be hand fighting hard, and he would just take, literally throw me into the corner and just start giving me body shots. <laughs> so I turned him around, started throwing back at him, and then he'd throw me back in there, right? I remember this specifically, and this, this is cracking me up because I told him about it the other day. Uh, team New Jersey camp. I'm in like eighth grade. I'm not even on the team yet, but you know, he, he recognized me, right? I'm going to go there next year. So I'm at the camp and I'm rolling around with everybody. And I kicked, I kicked some guys' butts. I did really well. Not going to lie. Right. But as practice, we're running around the, the, the gym. I'm, I'm like, you know, like this. And he's just screaming across the room, Cooperman, take the face off. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, we're, we're in my office right now. I got this whole facility over, over here. Um, I don't coach my, my sons. I have two sons. My oldest son's pretty, you know, he likes to do it. He's, he's turning eight soon. So I watch him in practice, and he's serious about it. But he'll, you know, he'll be like that. And I, the other day, I was like, Cooperman, take the face off. And I called up Bucks, and I was like, I've been waiting to do that for like 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had some great coaches, and the coach and I definitely have a special relationship. So, was it hard to go from, you know, living at home with your family to living at a boarding school? Um, no, <laughs> it was fun. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to. I was looking at St. Benedict's where Steve Mako went. We were looking at some local, some local places as well. Um, that first night, you know, the, some girls helped me put on my tie and stuff like that. My mom looked and she's like, "She's fine." <laughs> You know, but I mean, you're, you're sleeping away with your friends. It's a sleepover. You know I mean? It's not that big. It's not college. It's not 5,000 kids. It's 400 kids. Mm -hmm. want, let's just call it even and say 200 boys, 200 girls. Like 40 of those 200 boys wrestled, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean it, was, uh, it was awesome. I mean, I, I would be a Friday night. I'm like, guys, uh, let's get on the rope and we'll sneak down the wrestling room. We'll get a workout in. I mean, like, you know, like this thing's like that, right? You know, you're in a, in a small confines and um, with highly motivated guys, um, like-minded guys, uh, it was kind of asked for a better situation. And what was the perception of Mark Perry when he got there and once he was added to the group? So I was, I was a junior and heading into my senior year. He just lost, um, he just lost uh, his freshman year to, to his not winning state. So the world was over for him. He might as well have been dead, according to him. <laughs> he was just, it was done. He's not going to be a four-time state champ. Uh, I, was, I was doing well at the time, man. I was really – I was kicking butt, in, uh, especially in high school. So, bring a freshman in here. I'm just going to smack this kid around, you know, and, and enjoy it. And this kid came out like 
I got zero respect for anybody. And he's started shooting his damn low singles and stuff. I'm like, who's this kid thinking? Show some damn respect, right? <laughs> Come out in my state, you're in my room. Show some respect. He came at me like, you know, like he had a childhood grudge against me. You know, he, he started, like I took a state title. But Jesus, you know, I had to fight. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I got the best of them, whatever. But I was a lot bigger. I was a lot heavier. I was a lot older. Um, but I knew, uh-oh, this guy's trouble for somebody you know right. he's coming down the pipeline and he means business you know um and so you know we had a, we had a good relationship you know in that standpoint um and then at the you know at the you know, on another level right he just you know mark understands the sport of wrestling too he knows where he's good and, you know he, he also recognized where i was good and he knows that i i'm very good with relating to the guys and communicating to the guys and i'm also a technician so i play my part you know he has his areas where you know, he's really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's what, you know, a good coach does, right? You surround yourself with, with those pieces that you need, right? So uh, when he was at Illinois, I went and joined him out, you know. We were almost going to Cal Poly together. He was out in Cal Poly. and almost ended up there, but ended up at Illinois. Yeah, I know. He, <clears throat> I noticed you were at Illinois and figured that was why. When you guys were in high school, what year were you when you went to St. Ed's and you, uh, you penned Lang? That was my senior year. That's we a big going, duel, right? Yeah, I mean, we were trying to, you know, when I when I got to uh, Blair, um, they had been national champs before, um, and then my freshman year we were second. I think they were they were national champs when I was in eighth grade. So we kind of like lost it my freshman year, right? Um, they told me that you know like they didn't care about that. What they really cared about was, you know, they you know these coaches. I don't know if I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but they looked at what Walsh had. You know, when you had like a Victor Spada, Joe Heskett, right? Nub, Sonny Marchetti, right? Like the four guys are like number one in the country, like that type of thing. Like that's what the, we want a guy in the Aces poster, like first team, that type of thing. And I was like, coach, I'm going to be your first guy, you know? And um, I was second, second, third, you know, Parkland's coming through. I mean, like we weren't, we didn't get it done. And then our senior year, um, we had a pretty good team, you know? And um, we went out to, we beat Easton. Easton had beat St. Ed's in some duels. And then we had to, to solidify the national championship. We had to go out to St. Ed's and we had to beat them. And we beat them, I'm pretty sure, by like 20. Um, standing room only. Um, and I've always had a lot of respect for the St. Ed's people. And I, we've always been good. And I think they respect that I, I beat some of their good guys. And we just always had a good relationship, you know. And I lost to some of their good guys too, right? Just get Mason Lenhart. Very tough. My freshman year. But it it was standing room only though out there. It was like a, just a yeah, it was standing room only. Like people hanging from the rafters. Like you try to warm up. There's people with literally the chest behind your back. <laughs> you know, there's no room. Um, and we came and we put on a show, for sure. Those boys are tough though. They're coached very well. You know, um, Heffernan, Urbis, um, Mike Mose. There's a lot of really good people. Jeff Leonard. I don't say Mike Mose. I meant Leonard. But um. Yeah, they always had a good staff, and we respected them, and they did their job. They were going to fight you. You knew that. So, um, yeah. That's uh, You look back at that that lineup, though, and you know, both teams, it's just crazy how loaded you guys were. And, of course, Mako at that time was just destroying people. I mean, yeah, Steve Mako, the legend, is, is, is well known. But, I mean, anything stick out to you that just from going to Blair with that guy for four years or maybe not yeah, even I mean, four? I mean, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You know, like, I think, um, you know, some people, you know, will say like heavyweights being lazy and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, even at Blair, you, you still have to do the extra, right? Because, you know, being you know, extrinsic motivation versus intrinsic motivation, somebody telling you to do this and that, I mean, hey, easy, you know what I mean? Um, I'm a soldier, you can tell me to do anything, I'll, I'll do it, you know, I'm just gonna go, 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 right? But how about me saying, you know, I need to get up and go do this. You know, that's different, right? Um, and at Blair, you know, we all gonna show up at practice and Coach Boston is gonna tell us what to do, we're gonna do it. You know, but who's gonna get up and, and who's gonna go in on Sunday? Who's gonna get up in the morning and go, right? Um, and Mako used to come to my dorm room at like six in the morning and wake me up to go work out. And you can count on him coming no matter what. I specifically remember um, being on my top bunk bed and we're in different dorms and just hearing like, all this rain and thunder and lightning. And I'm laying there going, yes, <laughs> he's not coming this morning. You know what I mean? Like he's not coming. And you're just hearing like, boom, boom, boom. Yo, bro, open up. It's raining out here. You know? <laughs> I was just laying there like, ah, uh, maybe if I don't move, he's not going to boom, boom, boom. And I was like, oh man, how do you, how do you not, how do you not get up, man? Right. I mean, this guy's getting you up in the morning. Um, yeah. Steve, uh, Steve, he was different. He didn't like the whole, like, be friends with those guys, you know? Like, he didn't want to be friends with them. He wanted to beat them, you know? He wanted to beat them up. Yeah. You know? And uh, that was good, too, right? I was a little, like, uh, a little too friendly. Probably still am. <laughs> I had my mean streaks, but I mean, he had it on a different level. And, you know, he was more mature about it. I mean, in, in that way, like, he understood what you had to do. You understood that you have to be ready to fight um, and be gritty about it. Um, I needed some of that grit, right? So... Uh, Steve was Steve was great to have on the team. You know, <laughs> everyone was afraid of him. You know, in our school and everywhere at everywhere else. So it was funny to watch. You know, a lot of people didn't wrestle him, didn't have the the courage to go out there, but some people did. Was, How would he get a good workout in in high school then? Well, we had a lot of different guys we try to bring in. You know, we brought in Wayne Caton from Syracuse, a, maybe a national champion, running up either way. Uh, Syracuse, a great guy as well, great coach. Um, Nate Burroughs, who I, I work with his sons now, he was an All-American, I believe, at Brown, mm. state champ maybe as well. Um, I work with his boys now, you know, and that's why it all comes full circle, right? Um, he wrestled with them. Solomon Fleckman wrestled with them. Um, even like a guy like Solomon Fleckman, who was uh, our assistant coach at the time, and a Lehigh wrestler, and he was good. You know, he, he may slick Steve with like a duck something to the backside you know that happened i mean he was leaving with stitches you know what i mean so i mean not too many people wanted to wrestle <laughs> oh you know uh what was his name i uh, just from uh east Strasburg. his name is slipping my mind right now but it was uh borzio but you guys were like shipping people in to give him oh yeah care. college wrestlers college coaches whoever took you know <laughs> come wrestle this guy you know please somebody you know save us some bodies you know what i mean um yeah, definitely interesting. Definitely fun to watch that. So that that Blair team is one of the best ever. You guys are recruited all over. How did you end up going to Minnesota? Oof. Uh, so, I mean, I guess things time time moves on, right? So I guess we can talk about some of these things. I mean, I um, I remember they were the, one of the first teams to recruit me, and uh, actually Barry Davis at Wisconsin, he did an unbelievable job of recruiting me. Um, I just, I think with being at Blair and everything like that, like 
just like I left my town, I felt like I needed to be with the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so the schools I want to look at were Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, you know, those, those types of teams, right? Um, and I had full rides. I had, you know, everywhere pretty much I wanted to go. A couple of schools didn't give them, didn't, didn't make the offer. And I called them on a payphone. That's how old I am. You can see the <laughs> a payphone. I call up and you know, looking for Jim Zaleski and I get Tom Brands on the phone. I know who you are, Cooperman, that type of, you know, oh, shoot, right? <laughs> um, you know, they had a guy, you know, Michigan had a guy, right? So some places it's just also timing, right? It doesn't mean if you have a, if a dream, don't, don't go after it, you know, go after it, go beat the guy out, right? But for me, it was a financial situation where if they're already invested, you know, I wasn't going to take that partial. I needed uh, the money, X, Y, Z. Called Bobby Douglas on the payphone. That changed everything. He ended up offering me everything that I needed, you know. But I went and took a trip to Minnesota. Um, I didn't like when they came out and recruited me. Marty Morgan scared the crap out of me. Um, he's just a big, bald, goatee, scary son of a gun, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, when I went out there, and I was committing to Iowa State. Like, I told Coach Buxton, I was like, look, I'm committing here. Um, and part of that had to do with, you know, I really was first going to go to Oklahoma State. And, you know, Mark and his dad and this and that. Let's not get into it. We're all family now, yada, yada, yada. Move on. Iowa State, looking at it, Coach is like, you got to go check out Minnesota. All right. Coach Buxton could have told me to go to Alaska University. I was going to Alaska University. <laughs> he says, like, oh, you want to be a cowboy now? I'm like, oh, he doesn't want me to go to Oklahoma State, you know. Or if I'm at Iowa State, I'm saying, I'm going to commit here. I said, you've got to check out Minnesota. I'm thinking to myself, there's something about this Minnesota. And it was the, the camaraderie there. It was like the Army. You know what I mean? Like, these guys were brothers. You know, you just felt it. Whether you're sitting on a, on a stool and they're surrounding you, you just felt like, I'm not alone. I've got a team of guys that are, you know, if I'm, if I'm falling down, they're going to pick me up and dust me off. They're going to move me forward. You know what I mean? We're going to get this done, right? And there's Damian Hahn, legend from New Jersey, right? There's Jared Lawrence, right, over here. You got Jay Robinson, right? I have, you know, um, Mark Schwab, who doesn't get nearly enough credit in the sport, Um that guy was a, was a genius, right? And, and for me, it was like, these guys are beating Iowa, right? right. I like that. The maroon and gold, they're in maroon right now. I like that, <laughs> right? A little bit of a city environment with the Big Ten situation, with football and all that. I like all that. It was a perfect fit for me. Um, no one thought so because they knew that those guys were very, bah, 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 you know, Um and to this day, you know, I left there, and people said, see, I told you. But no, it still was the right fit. It was. I, I had my issues, you know what I mean? I had my issues. I wasn't making 25. I grew, and then I was, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, oh, you know, and I, made, and I made a decision. I went to Lehigh. Um, got a great education. Phenomenal coaches there. Right? But when you ask how I ended up at Minnesota, that's how I ended up at Minnesota. I believed, I believed um, in my coaches and the team there. And I, I like the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I like the Big Ten. I like the big football type situation, you know. You know, and um, 
yeah, it was a little city environment, what we weren't out in the cornfield. So it was all good stuff for me. I'm glad you said that about Mark Schwab. To this day, he's one of the most downloaded episodes on this podcast. And like yeah. when he talks about his like his mental climate and the whole sports psychology of it, I could listen to that guy for hours. So I'll just tell you my first day there in Minnesota, you know, he pulled me down in the basement, you know, and that's where the wrestling room was. And, you know, he was a, a little power nugget. And I, I mean, but he made me feel big. And I was still young, right? But uh, he's just a strong, little intense guy. And he comes out, he's like, let's go. Like, All right. And boom. Head butts me, right? Ow, I'm sorry. I just poked myself right where I just think I broke my face. <laughs> Um, he headbutts me right in my nose. You can see just me poking myself in the face. I'm like saying, ow, you can imagine this dude headbutting me. I was like, ah, and I turn my back and he like jumps on my back. He's like, you know, seems wrestling me. I'm like this soft little high school kid. I'm like, ah, God, grab my face. He still wrestles me. So I hit a standing switch and I take him down and I push him away from me. And I walk away. And as I walk away, he taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and he goes, whack, <laughs> punch me right in the face. <laughs> and all these like hit me back i'm like no way <laughs> you know we kept wrestling man but uh, this guy was he was great for my mind he was great for my body he was great for it all um we only had a short time together but i tell you what what you know i didn't learn too much technique when i was there i learned a little bit of technique but i was a technician before i got there so i felt like i learned a little bit of technique there but that toughness that i learned in those like four months there you know, have carried me through life, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, kudos to those guys for sure. How much different was the strength and conditioning stuff from what you were doing at Blair when you first got there? Um, well, we barely ran. We would do some outside stuff, carrying logs and things of that nature. These guys would be – Jay Robinson picked us up at like one time, like 6 in the morning or whatever, and dropped us off somewhere five miles away. He's like, I'll see you in 40 minutes. In the dark, I don't know where I'm from. It's in Minnesota. I have no idea where we're at. You know, they just get back five sets of 15 squats, five sets of 15 cleans. It was insanity com compared to what I was used to. But I loved it, you know. I loved all that stuff, you know, especially when I wasn't super sucked out. I mean, that's what you love that grind, you know. And I was just going to ask you that you're, you're well known for your battles with weight cutting. And I got to say, I remember the MTV show, the uh, – the the weight cutting was yeah. that some was that something where like were they were they following you around for a whole season or how did that all come about Followed me around for a while i mean i was at lehigh and i don't know they must have asked someone at rutgers at the time um someone in that area i can't remember my coach told me some snippets i wasn't even listening i was a college student right I'm like how oh, you want to yeah yeah but i think someone around the rutgers area got asked but you know those guys stunk back then mm -hmm. um they're nowhere, you know, Rutgers now is a powerhouse, right? Um, back then, they weren't respected. And I think they said, you know, let's, maybe we don't have to be New Jersey. Maybe we can go kind of open up that, that that radius a little bit further, find someone who's kind of decent and cuts a lot of weight. And they're like, well, this guy of Lehigh cuts a lot of weight. I mean, I really didn't cut. Uh, I mean, I guess I did. I cut a lot of, I definitely cut a lot of weight. Um, I don't know. Wasn't too much of a story behind that. But uh, there's a lot of people that cut a lot of weight. I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was funny, I guess. Kind of regretted having to do that right away. You know what I mean? Like after like, as soon as it was coming out, I was like, oh God, I don't really want to see this. I don't really, I mean, I've watched it like two or three times probably in my life. 
Yeah, it's uh, I can imagine it's tough looking back on. I mean, you're it was so young back then, you know, to walk yeah, I mean, now. When you're when you're in college, you know, people look at you like, oh man, this is in college, you could be fighting in war, you know. What I mean, it's like, yeah, but it was also just in high school a couple years ago, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a late bloomer, I'm still like going through puberty, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, maturity mentally definitely wasn't, you know, I definitely wasn't mature about you know, the way I went about my, my business. And now as you get older, you see the way that you, you would have liked to go about your business or, you know, you see you have guys that uh, are in your club or kids that you coach and you see how they are. And they're like, damn, you're half my age. You're, you know, you're as mature as I am right now. Damn. <laughs> that's, that's a huge advantage. I was such a baby. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know, nothing you can do about it now. Just look back and, you know, I commun- I think, you know, for me, I look at myself as like, you ever seen the movie Grease? I actually haven't seen that movie. Really? No. Weird, Ryan. You're <laughs> uh, there's like there's a guy and he's a guardian angel for this beauty school dropout. <laughs> uh, I like to think of myself as like a guardian angel for like my wrestlers, right? I mean, I've seen, I think it all. I really feel like I've seen it all. From if I didn't make the mistake, either one of my teammates did or one of my wrestlers through coaching have, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, whether, you know, this path is, is nice and lit up and it's an easy path, but if you're looking to get to that destination, this path isn't going to take you there. Mm-hmm. It's bumpier and it's dark and it's scary and it's, you know, it's a road less traveled, but I'm telling you, go down that path. It will lead to where you're looking to get to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, all types of advice. You know, I got a kid staying with me right now. I think he's really got a really bright future. He's an eighth grader from Connecticut. Um, you know, we're communicating, communicating about the mental, communicating about, you know, it, it all. Um, I like to look at the mistakes I made and probably if I made, didn't have the mistakes or didn't, if I reached uh, all the potential I, you know, I had, um, I probably wouldn't think about it as much. It wouldn't matter to me as much. I wouldn't care to talk about it. Right. I mean, um, but you just don't want to see history repeat itself for, for the guys you care about, right? Right. And is Pat is coaching always been a big passion for you? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I probably said in like fifth or sixth grade that I'd be a better coach than wrestler. And I was right. You know what I mean? I mean, probably, you know, you gotta you gotta look at it like this. I mean, for me, I, I probably understood that, you know, put me in the practice room, I'm wrestling anybody and everybody. I don't care who you are, and it's usually going in my damn favor. You know, mm-hmm. and that not, that doesn't have to. I don't need even anybody of that high of a caliber, of that high of a caliber that I can beat in the room in the practice room. You don't have to be that high of a caliber to beat me out in the mat. You know, and and it, and it could have been a factor for my weight. It could have been a factor from nerves. It could have been the pressure that I put on myself. You know, we a lot of times um, as athletes we put the pressure on. Right. So I, I got this kid in my house, and I see a documentary says so weight of gold. Oh, let's watch this. We need to see this. We need to understand this if you want to get to the top. End up being like everyone's like, I wanted to kill myself. Jesus, that and was I, an intense documentary, wasn't it? You saw that, right? It was I saw it, much. and I was like, I felt like for the last two days, I've had to explain to them, hey, it doesn't have to go there. We have to understand this. You, they're putting that pressure on themselves. You know, this kid has a DUI. Thing. It's the end of the world. You know what I mean? They're probably, you know, in contact with fifteen people that, that have had that in the past, and they don't even know because he just thinks that it is. You know, what I mean, it's all right. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Eyes it a little bit, right? Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. You know, it's not the right thing to do, right? But it doesn't mean it's over. Just relax. You know what I mean, 
Um, so just kind of, I just like to communicate with these kids, their fears. You know, I used to tell mine all the time. Like when I thought, when I lost, um, it wasn't Twitter and stuff like that. But I used to think that it's going to scroll across the screen. Like we interrupt friends to bring you this broadcasting. <laughs> Corey Cooperman lost. It's like, ah, it's uh, not the case. You know, it's not the case. Um, really took me to almost like when Metcalf lost to Caldwell. Back then, it was like the Matt.com forums. And like the first day, like, oh, really enjoyed the Metcalf era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, that was like for like two days. Like the fourth day, you couldn't find it. It was probably like four pages deep with somebody else. Somebody was in a, in a mood to rag on somebody else at the time. You know what I mean? Life goes on. So, you know, life goes on. It's not all about you. And as much as you think everyone's looking at you and thinking about you, they're not. They're thinking about themselves. That's just the way the world is. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though? Because wrestlers are so selfish anyway that that's just the kind of mentality that manifests when you're in that kind of commitment. Yeah, I mean, I mean this with how do I say this with not offending people? Um, I feel like I wasn't, I mean, I was, I was a very successful wrestler. I was also selfish. I think I could have been a little bit more selfish <laughs> um, and maybe I would have gotten it done because some of the guys that I know that are really, really, you know, the best wrestlers that I've been around really per se. Oh, there's some selfish sons of bitches. There's some selfish sons of guns. You know what I mean? There's some selfish sons of guns. They really are. Um, but maybe that's a little bit of a sacrifice that you take to not give a crap what other people think in order to get what you want to get done. Maybe that's what I was lacking a little bit. But that's just who I am as a person. So, I mean, yeah, that's what it is. Third in dominating fashion, Ryan. Man, so many, like, <laughs> so many lessons there. It's funny that you say that about the kids who are – because I've had a while past myself, but when you meet a kid who's – you know, 20 and you're 30, I'm 31, who's more mature than you, you're like, God damn, that kid's got it figured out. Um, and so I got to imagine when you're up at Cornell, people like Yanni, people like Dake are someone you look at and you're like, the kids, they just have it going on. What was it like working with those guys up in New York? Um, I mean, I'm going to take it back to Jordan Lean. Mm. If you know who that is, Jordan, mm-hmm. um, you know, his father was a coach. I mean, the guy just knew it. I, I, I talked about him the other day to my guy, you know. He'd just come in with his notebook and we flipped through, like, ah, I, I, I got to stop a lefty high crotch, man. Just can't stop a lefty high crotch. Man, it's killing me. You know, that, and uh, I got to work on when guys go on spiral ride. I just can't stop, you know, like that. And you're like, uh, I mean, this dude was just, boom, putting his mouthpiece in, going to get a lift, going to this. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, I never came in with any game plan. You know what I mean? My, my biggest game plan I ever put out there in a match was, was against Tion Ware once. I said, look, I need to get to his back leg. I, I'm, I can't get to it by shooting, so I'm going to snap him onto my lead leg. I'm going to let him take it up in the air. When he picks up in the air, I'm going to dive through and get to his leg. And I did. And I got to it, and we went out of bounds. And I had mono, and I was exhausted 15 seconds in the match. Damn it. <laughs> um, but – you know, Jordan was the first time that I had really seen a guy come in so, um, so like focused and having a game plan and just so, you know, dialed in. Like, talk about like the expression, you got to be your own best coach. Dude was his own best coach. Wow. I mean, I was just, I was just like the older guy who just got done competing against him. I could still scrap. I'm a little bit bigger than you, I'm older than you. 
probably going to get the best of us in a, of you right now, especially because you're competing and I'm not. And that's just, that's just two different things, right? you got the odds of the anxiety and the pressure and that you're working out 10 times a day. Your legs feel like rubber. You know, I, I'm going out for hibachi after this, dude. Like I feel good. You know what I mean? You don't feel good. So, um, and I'm not doing those team stadiums and those team lifts. You know what I mean, like I'm making recruiting calls. So you, you're hurting. I feel great. You know what I mean? Um, but the dude was so dialed in. Um, it was easy. Those guys are easy. I mean, they're just easy because, you know, you just got to play your part with it. Right. Um, Kyle Dake. I mean, that's, that's a different situation. I had Kyle when he was in high school, I had Kyle after college, two different Kyles. The first Kyle was nobody. We were trying to get a state title. This guy, Ian Paddock standing in our way. Mm -hmm. Like I remember that dude from Warsaw. Right. Um, but you, you know, you knew that Kyle just had, um, what made Kyle Kyle is that he was good in all positions at top, bottom, neutral, upper body. You want to lift? He can lift. You want him to throw? He can throw. You want him to shoot? He can shoot. You want him to scramble? He can scramble. You want him to do basics all day? He can do basics all day. Like, not anything he couldn't do. And then you put, you know, he's, you know, he's athletic, um, and he's competitive, and he's stingy, and he's prideful. For a damn good, comp, you know, combination. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just this older dude. He's in high school, and I'm a college guy, so I'm just beating the crap. I'm just like they were muscling a sixty-pound, uh, seventy-pound kid, a little uh, John McGinty yesterday. And dude, in 70, 70 pounds, I came home. I was like, man. I said, Hanko, did you see any of my goes with McGinty? I said, I, I felt pretty good. My wife goes, I'm with the seventy-pound seventh grader. <laughs> yeah, I felt pretty good today. I was hitting my outside steps, were, were ripping today. I felt good. Um, you know, it was easy to beat him up and whatever, but you know, he would talk about like after after I beat him up, right? I go take him for for a meal and we talk and you know, I mean, like it's that relationship and just staying with the guys. Um, I think I helped him for sure. He definitely got better when we were in high school, and then I came back uh, to wrestle him. And oh well, he was a different Kyle, you know. Then I was just trying to say, hey, look, dude, I got kids. Like, take it easy on me, man. <laughs> Put me down softly, right? Uh, Yanni, um, Yanni's, Yanni's great. He's, his dad is, is great. He's got a, a great support system. Kid salt of the earth. What are you going to say? I mean, literally the nicest kid in the world. Um, loves the sport. Will you know, do anything to be great. Will sacrifice his body. Doesn't care how hurt he is. I mean, him tearing his, his knee out as a freshman and, and going all the way through it. I mean, it just, that's just like a piece of the character of the type of kid he is. You know, everything he gets, he deserves. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I, I watched him and I, I'll be honest with you. The first time I, I grabbed him, I went there, sent me up and go wrestle Kyle. That was not good. And I go up and go, Oh, this high school kid, go stay with him for a couple of days. I'm like, all right, sure. You know, and I go up there and I throw an underhook on him and the McNeils were there. Lachlan McNeil and him. I threw an underhook on him, just all nonchalant. And, uh, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Your case? and I go flying over. I'm like, now I got up like in my stance, just like when I kind of did something like that to Dave and he got up in the stance. I was like, easy. I've got kids. I got up like, well, I'm going to kill you now, little man. And I remember picking him up and not putting him down because I am a man and it would have been kind of a jerk thing, you know, but um, that was when I was like, oh, this kid's no joke. And I trained a kid, Kurt McHenry, mm -hmm. um, time cadet world champ. And he would, you know, when, if, if Kurt 
was giving somebody some credit like that, like, oh, you got to see this Yanni. Then you knew, like, he was a real deal. Um, and when I felt him, right away I knew he was, he was a real deal. And I, that's where I've been fortunate, man. I, I've been blessed. I, I was thinking about the other day, like, I've had so many, whether it's even the athletes, like, I've had my hands on Spencer. I'm not saying I coach Spencer. I've had my hand, like, I've gotten to wrestle with him before, though. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and Jordan and um, – Coleman and Jamil and you know uh, John and Guerrero like that whole Oklahoma State room and you know the Minnesota the Blair thing the, the training center and just all these different people right um, you grow up taking pictures with them then you're across the map calling them for stalling and stuff you know um, I mean who I mean Coach Strobel at Lehigh right Kerry McCoy Pat Santoro right Chris Ayers Jason Cook I mean like I've had the craziest, like I've had such good people to bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. When I'd go back for Christmas or something, I'd see John and uh, he'd be like, hey man, you in town? And I'm like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm here. He's like, 8 a.m. tomorrow, man. I'll see you there. <laughs> and then like, yeah, it's over. Once I see him and he starts telling me practice times, it's over, you know? My mother-in-law would be like, oh, look, we're going to go pick out a Christmas tree. I'd be like, John, John. Don said, we have practice at 8 a.m. <laughs> right, well, we'll go do this. And, you know, and I'm there, you know. And I'd have the ability to be like, let me ask you something. What's with the whole move, moving your feet thing? You know what I mean? Like, what's with all of this, you know? And just kind of, you know, bouncing. You know, it's like if I had the opportunity to be like, Gabe, well, why are we pulling on a guy's head, you know? I've had the chance to ask these guys things. You know? So, like, I love the expression, um, if I see further than, like, the average man, whatever, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. Like, I've had – Kevin Jackson, how do we leave Kevin Jackson off? You know, Bill Zadick. Like I'm, I'm leaving you know names off of people that I've had the opportunity just to bounce things off of, right? Um, and watch and just study. You know, I mean, watching Takahiro Wada hit his shot in the '95 World Championships, and then he's in the Lehigh room, and I'm like, how do you hit the Wada shot? He doesn't know what I'm talking about. I'm like, your shot, dude. The shot that you hit. How do you do it? And I was speaking Japanese, right? Um, Sergey Belaglazov, Valentin Jordanov, you know what I mean? Like seven times world champs and like learning from these types of guys. I mean, I had the best wrestling experience. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like that I won everything. I didn't, right? I won right. both nationals in 1995. Oh, right? Oh. That's right. But I've had such a cool opportunity. Um, I wouldn't change it for anything. And the one thing we'll wind down with, you alluded to it earlier with the fantastic John Smith impersonation. You're married to Leroy's daughter, correct? Yeah. So you're, you've been ingrained into the, the Smith, the Stillwater world. What have you picked up from John or what's something you've noticed that uh, the normal admirer of one John Smith maybe wouldn't know? Oh. Just through practices or things like that? I, I mean, I'm not going to act like I know – them more than anybody, especially I don't live out in Stillwater. I've only, you know, I've been in that room quite a bit. I will say um, the first thing is, well, first thing is this, that Zach Espo reminded me of a story where we were hitchhiking in Purdue and the old Arizona State coach picked us up. The old Arizona State coach was Leroy Smith. Leroy gave me a ride before he even knew who I was when I was a kid, you know? Um, so that's cool. But that, that's also the type of guy. So first thing I'll say is this, outside of anything wrestling related or whatever, um, you know, if you think like marrying into uh, that family, you know, like obviously there's a lot of us that are into the sport of wrestling. 
Mm -hmm. I could show clips from inside of the, the Christmas household and the kids wrestling on the lawns and all that stuff. But I would say probably like for me, um, just like when we're talking about that weight of gold stuff and all that um, the pressure, wrestling, 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 and sport, 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 it's this, it's this, it's 100% that and nothing else. Um, it was almost like a journey. It's not like I married my wife to go on this journey, but it was like peace at the end of it, right? To see like, all right, we all get together and, you know, are we going to sit down here and talk? Is it going to be a State of the Union address for wrestling? You know, how are we, you know, where are we at now? Where are we moving forward? Is this what it's going to be? No, it was about religion and it was about a family and love, you know? Um, and for me, that's probably what I needed to see. It probably gave me some peace in the end. You know what I mean? It was to see like, this is bigger than wrestling. You know what I mean? In the end, you know, we wrestle. It's what we do. You know, some people say, it's what I do. It's not who I am. Ah, it's both. Both. It's who you are. How are you? I'm a wrestler. You know, I'm doing sales right now. I, I don't know if you know that. I'm but I'm sales myself. Okay. What do you sell? Uh, F5 cybersecurity software. Nice. Yeah. I sell garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, containers, interstate waste services. Right? We, we handle waste on uh, North New Jersey and New York City and stuff like that. Number one company in the, in the area. Um, so, you know, like uh, you, you, wrestling has made me what I am, right? So if I have a, if I have a um, and this is funny, right? So I, I'm doing the job, I'm doing the job, I'm doing the job and through September and I'm going, I just, I feel like there's more to it. I feel like I'm not working as hard as I, you know, and I'm working this and I got a mall that I manage and I have my wrestling club. And I'm like, no, if I'm not working all the way until I go like 2.30, then I feel like there's something rotten in Denmark. Something wrong. I, I have anxiety about it. And then my boss is like, yeah, dude, you have a workbook with goals that you got to, you know, reach every month. So I'm looking at 35 goals. I've, got, I've done two of them, you know. And then there's other things I still have to do on that list. And, and the normal day is not stopping. There's customer service stuff happening, blah, 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 blah. Sites visits, this and that. Um, and then there's a Jewish holiday in the area that I'm in is a lot of, a lot of Jewish people up here. So I had like six days or so to get my, my job done, you mm -hmm. know, and bottom line is we got it done. You know, I'm like looking at my partners. He's like, he's like, he's like how many you got left? And I'm hitting him with the Ashton, Anthony Ashton, I'm going 10, 10, 10 left. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you get it done because that's what wrestling has taught us. Right. And that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Who, it's who you are it's what you do um but it was good for me to see that you know how much of it is about family and love and stuff like that i don't know i mean he's exactly you know in a lot of ways it's what you he he is who you'd expect him to be he's a man who when he speaks people just shut up and listen because this man you know has been to the, the promised land and he'll take you there if you do what what is necessary um and he can be stern and if he's looking at you stern, you know, you're, you probably need a change of pants. <laughs> um, at the same time, he's going to grab your kid and be like, look at them jowls. And like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's the wrestling part and there's the life part. And don't forget, like just saying how wrestling changed your life. You know, there is more to life than this sport, but I am who I am in life because of this sport, not because of what I accomplished, but what it, what it made me accomplish, what it made me do, what it made me become as a person that, you know, you will not stop me, you know, mm -hmm. my goal, you know, I mean, no matter what obstacles, you know, slow me down or whatever, I'm going to get it done. Right. Because 
No, that's what we do, right? We're not satisfied till we get to the top. Um, so yeah, and it's, uh, I don't know, I think that's my answer. Perfect. Cora Cooperman, that's, that's beautiful. And I, I, I like what you said about the wholesomeness because whenever you hang out with, with the Smiths, um, humble brag just because I have been the past two months for that documentary, which is a life, you know, life, lifelong dream. It is cool just to see how they don't really talk about it that much. You know, it's more so just about family and like joking and just good family stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Leroy may, you know, ask, Hey, what's going on with this? Or at least maybe, you know, but 90% of the time it's like, yeah, got a text last night. It's like, want to get Caden a, a hippo storage thing or whatever. Like, all right, you know what I mean? It's not like, hey, did you hear about this coach and that coach? I mean, like, look, we're wrestling. We're we're very ingrained in it. You know, um, I can go down that rabbit hole with Mark or, you know, with uh, Chris or you know, any of those guys. But um, I mean, we're all doing our things, and we'll reunite. You know, probably for a Christmas here or there. You know what I mean? And um, but there's, there's definitely just love, a lot of love, um, you know, just kind of caring about, you know, the people's lives off the mat more so than anything, you know what I mean? Right. Life, life will throw you a lot, you know, sickness and, you know, and, and a lot of just, you know, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, there's a lot of stuff going on, losing jobs, COVID, you know, how, how's this family doing? How are they doing? How's the kid doing? You know, they're getting by, do they need it? Right. I mean, there's a lot, there's like a hundred people in there, man. <laughs> So there's a lot of, you know, and, and uh, everyone just wants what's best for each other. That's you know, awesome. That's what this world should be about. Not just single legs. <laughs> but low, single, so, low singles preferably with them. If someone wants to learn a single leg though out in your area, how do they find you? Like what's your club and how do they get in touch with you? So um, we're in Mawa, New Jersey, uh, Apex Wrestling. Um, it's the top of the state, but we have three locations. So we have one in central jersey and union as well my business partner damian logan he runs that one and then uh they also offer all-star bjj with jamal patterson and zo gracie trained and then down to the south down by atlantic city uh our all-star dane tabano is crushing it down there he's uh you can go see him and get some great wrestling in and then also go ahead to the boardwalk so you know each area has uh its perks right I mean, mine i live in this like this crazy area over here where, like I said, to the left right here, we're going right out to um, New, York, New York State, and it's mountains and boulders, right? To the right, where I live 15 minutes away, on that way, you're going to go up a hill, you're going to see all New York City, you know what I mean? So you're going from like mountains and boulders, New York City, and then where I live, which is just this green, you know, beautiful area, like living in the middle of the wood, you know, it's, that's New Jersey for you, right? Man. Um, it's really cool. It's really cool. And then, like I said, Damien's down in Union, um, and that's where I'm from, right? It's a little bit more, uh, less trees, and then down the shore. So Apex Wrestling, go to our website. You can sign up. Um, you know, we, we're doing everything pre-sign up, right? So they can call uh, my business partner's wife, Tina, and speak to her. Or get on the website. All the COVID forms are doing everything the right way just to stay safe first, then wrestle, right? Beautiful. Well, thank you very much for your time, my friend. I've enjoyed the conversation. Have a great day. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, brother. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner. 
as well as our website, wrestlingchangemylife.com. Take care, y'all.